Well, I remember when my second birthday. Amen. Yes, amen. And I'll never forget it, and I'll never get over it. Amen. I think about what Miss Brenda says in her testimony. She never had any idea how much encouragement she is to me. Miss Brenda's talking the other day about when God saved her down there and changed her sitting at the kitchen table and God made her different. Right. She said, I got to thinking about that little old profession I made when I was 12 years old and that didn't change a thing. And she said, if what I got when I was 12 years old was so great, how come I didn't want to tell everybody about it? Right. <laughs> Those folks sitting around in here think you're saved. But whatever it was that happened to you, whenever it was that happened, ain't so great you won't run and tell everybody. You mark her down, you ain't got nothing. You ain't got nothing. Brother Ricky, it's been a quest of my life since God changed me to tell folks what God did for me. And I didn't put that in myself. I didn't purpose in my heart. It's just something that's in me, Brother Jesse. When I got saved, it was as natural as a baby going to its mama's breast for milk. It was as natural as it could be for me to tell folks something's different. I can't explain it all. I don't understand it all. But I ain't what I used to be. And if that's ever happened to you, you got a story to tell. Yes, sir. Amen. I believe that with all of my heart. I believe that. I'll read a lot here tonight, but I'll just read a few verses to start with in 1 Kings chapter number 19. You'll see here that over several verses earlier, back in about chapter number 17, Elisha the Tishbite, of the inhabitants of Gilead, Elijah came out of nowhere onto the scene. He rebuked Ahab, the king of Israel, and told Ahab that there would not be water, there would not be rain for three and one-half years, according to his word, which was the word of the Lord. After he told Ahab that, he turned and went to the brook Kirath. And there God fed him by the ravens, and he drank water from the brook, and ravens brought him food to eat every day. While he was there, the brook eventually dried up because God's word's true and God do what he said he'd do. And God said it ain't going to rain. It didn't rain. Then God tells Elijah to go to a widow in Zarephath. Well, Zarephath was in Zidon where the king of the Zidonians was. That's, that was Jezebel's daddy's country. Took him right in the middle of a patch of hell and said, I'm going to take care of you here. Imagine that. <laughs> And while he was there, he gave him a little widow woman, and he stayed with that widow woman. She said, you'll starve to death with me. He said, don't you worry about that. God's going to meet our needs. And there that widow woman had a child, and that child died. And she said, have you come to bring my sin to my remembrance? And he said, no. And he took that child, and he stretched himself out on that child three times and prayed and asked God and raised that little boy up from the dead. God said, it's time. Now go down and tell Ahab. And he goes and tells Ahab, said, Ahab, he said, the rain's going to come now. And he called for the prophets and he said, come to Mount Carmel. And all the prophets of Baal go to Mount Carmel. And while they're up on Mount Carmel, he said, I'll give you an opportunity. You, whoever's God answers by fire, his God's the Lord. And then prophets of Baal went to cutting themselves and jumping around and jumping up and down and praying for their God to bring fire down. And Elijah just made a mock out of him. Said, maybe he's a holler louder. Maybe he's asleep. Maybe he's gone somewhere. And that precious dear man of God, when it was his time full of the Holy Ghost of God, 
prayed a simple 63-word prayer and fire fell down from heaven and lapped up the offering on the altar and lapped up the water that was around it. God did what he said he'd do. He told Ahab, said, you better get off the mountain. The rains are coming. If you don't get home now, you ain't going to get there. Son, the power of God's come. Now look. Chapter 19, verse number 1. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and with all how he had slain the prophets with the sword. And Elijah took those 450 prophets of Baal down to the creek and cut their heads off. Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah and said, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. Now here's a man just prayed 63 words and the fire of God fell from heaven. You listen. When he saw that, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die and said, It is enough. Now, O Lord, take away my life. For I am not better than my father's. Elijah, the man of God that called fire down from heaven, the man of God that's raised the dead and given them life, finds himself under a juniper tree saying, God, it's enough, let me die. God, I can't take this no more. And if God will be my helper, I'm just going to expound this scripture. I may preach and I may not, but I'm going to tell you what the Word of God says. And I'm going to talk to you on the subject of it's enough when God says it's enough. When you look at this tonight, it seems so incredible that such a man of God, who's one of the most celebrated prophets in all of Israel, one of the most celebrated men of God that's ever come out of the Hebrews, finds himself in a predicament where he's sitting under a juniper tree, which is somewhat like our cedar trees that we have today, in the middle of the desert saying, God, would you just please let me die now? And I look around and I see and I understand tonight God's little children are under more oppression, more demonic oppression and suppression than they have ever been in the history of the church. That's the day and hour we live in. I've been saved about 19 years, but I have never seen the battle like I see the battle today. The last 12 months have been the most difficult battles I've ever faced in all of my ministry or all of my saved life. These last few months have absolutely overwhelmed me from time to time. I've watched some of God's little children that have not been saved but a year or two that have gone through some of the deepest valleys and some of the greatest trials and afflictions that I've ever watched God's children go through. There's much to be learned when it's time of revival and refreshing and God's moved the way God's moved on this hill in the last three years. There's no way to explain it. I don't understand it. All I do is give God glory for the lives that have been changed. It has 
is absolutely colic the devil. He's so mad. He hates our guts. He absolutely would do anything in this world to destroy you tonight. He's not interested in just marring your name and your testimony. Satan will not be satisfied until you're dead and in the grave. He hates you. He wants to stop you. And you'll find this great man of God, after all that he's done, first thing you see in his life as he steps on the scene, God uses him and then God hides him. Every individual that's ever used of God mildly goes through a time and goes through a space where they just have to wait patiently and quietly on God to see which way God's going and what God's going to do next. Now, Elijah has been still for three and one half years. He's seen some miracles. He's seen some things take place. He's seen some things down at Zarephath and at the brook Kareth. But his real ministry's not begun yet. God's just getting him ready. There's some of you tonight, your ministry ain't really begun yet. God's been preparing you. God's been getting you ready. You be faithful over a few things. The Word of God said God would make you ruler over many. And God will not make you ruler over many until you've proven yourself faithful over a few. There's lessons you've got to learn. There's prices you've got to pay. And you've got to pay your dues in this thing. And you're not going to skip that. And you see the man of God that comes on the scene and son, all the preacher boys are running to him. They want to be like him. All the sons of the prophets see Elijah, the man of God, and they all want to be like him. Son, he's preaching the power of God's on. The fire falls from heaven. And when this is over with, you see the power of God gets on Elijah and he ran down from Mount Carmel to the gates of the city of Jezreel and literally outran the chariot of Ahab. Had the hand of God on him. But if there's ever any time in my life on Sundays I come in and the battle's raging, the battle's hard, and from time to time God lets me preach and I thank Him and I give Him glory and honor for ever touching a wretch like me and let me carry this book, carry the Word of God. But sometimes I go to the house on Sundays and I'm absolutely so wore out I can't see straight. And my wife goes to talk about lunch and I say, Honey, the only thing I really want to do is lay down and go to sleep. I'm telling you, if God ever uses you, there's something about that spiritual warfare that's going on around you that will wire you down. And Elijah found himself in the heat of the battle, wore out. Some of you that love God, been praying and seeking God, trying to learn and follow God and trying to believe God for your families, you find yourself just getting tired. Just getting weary, just getting wore out. I'll tell you the greatest temptation in my life tonight is not running off with some other man's wife. It's not stealing the church's money. The biggest temptation that I have in my life tonight is just to lay down and quit. I mean, just lay down. I mean, it ain't to go back and get me another Budweiser. It ain't to go back and smoke a joint. My biggest temptations is not any of that kind of stuff. But the biggest temptations I've got is just kick back and just let her, let her coast. But I'm going to tell you what, you see the man of God, Elijah, as wonderful as he was, was tired. He was weary. He was wore out. And when he got tired and when he got weary, in verse number 1, the Word of God said, And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and with all had slain the prophets with a sword, and Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah. First thing Satan's going to do is send you a message. It's over, big boy. I'm taking you down. It's over. 
I mean, what you're facing in your life right now is going to take you under for the last time. This is it. Hope you've had a big time. It's over. Satan told any of y'all that lately? It's over. You're going down. You tried to serve God and be faithful. Now you look like a fool and you got no power. You got nothing. God ain't even listening. God doesn't even care where you're at and what you're going through. He's a liar. Satan's a liar. Jezebel was a liar. All she was was a threat. That's exactly what Satan does. He threatens you. And he'll talk as long as you'll listen. If you'll listen, he'll talk. And she sends a messenger and says, Wait, big boy, if you ain't dead by tomorrow, may the same thing happen to me. And you see Satan begins to threaten you, and you notice the first big mistake that Elijah made. The Word of God said in verse number 3, When he saw that, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba. God didn't tell him to go to Beersheba. God didn't tell him to do nothing. You know, one of the first big mistakes you'll make when Satan throws fear in your life is you'll run and do something. I see preachers all the time that's in the ministry and they're right in the middle of God's will, fighting hell by the acre and trying to do what God told them to do and they'll get discouraged and walk away and quit and God never told them to leave. Uh, they just get discouraged, just get beat down. There's some of you, God's give you something to do in this life. God's give you people to believe him for and to pray for it. If you're not careful, you'll let the devil threaten you and you'll just walk away and leave it alone. There's some of you that God has put it in your heart that you don't want to be ordinary. God's put it in some of your hearts that you want to live a life full of the Holy Ghost and power. You want to see your prayers answered. And it seems like the more you pray, the more you fast, the more you read your Bible, or the more you seek God, the worse things get. Amen. I'm speaking from experience. God ain't going to use you till he's broke you. And you know what Satan's going to do? Satan's going to say, why don't you just go somewhere else? Why don't you just go somewhere else and do something else? Why don't you find you another church? Why don't you go somewhere where, where the battle ain't so hard? Why don't you find you something else to do where the battle ain't so hard? Preachers face that all the time. Why don't you just go somewhere new where it's fresh and where you can get you a new start and get you a new beginning. And I'm going to tell you what, oh, Elijah had faced all them false prophets, done kill 450 prophets of Baal, but there's 400 prophets of the grove still left. And Micaiah's going to have to deal with them a little later. And them false prophets had railed on him and taunted him and tried to beat on him. And I deal with that every time I come in the doors of this house. False prophets come in, sit down on these pews, cross their arms and say, Okay, preacher, impress me. Well, I'm sorry. I'm not going to be able to impress you. If the blood of Jesus Christ and the dying, darling son of God knocking at your heart's door don't impress you, there ain't nothing I can do for you. But I'm going to tell you what, that ain't the ones I'm after tonight. It's ones that God in his holiness has got enough, got enough power still to draw them in and bring them in somewhere. They don't even know why they're here. They just come in. That's the ones I'm here for, the ones that want some help. A little lambs of God that's hungry, that want to eat and look for something and need some help and need something that's thirsty and hungry. That's the ones I want to help. You see, he ran, went somewhere he wasn't supposed to go, did something he wasn't supposed to do. Look what else. That belongs to Judah and left his servant there. He strikes off through the wilderness. That word wilderness means a desert. I've lived in the desert. Me and Sister Lord lived in the high desert in Rollins, 7,000 feet. Nothing but old sagebrush and prickly pear cactus and 
alkali pits. I hate the desert. He got in that desert all by himself and he left his servant. The word of God says, woe to him that's alone when he falleth. God's give you some brothers and God's give you some sisters. And when you get to fighting these battles, I know that there's off times that it's natural for you to ball up in a ball and crawl in a hole somewhere by yourself. And that is exactly the wrong thing to do. That's what Elijah did. Elijah went off by himself. Boy, I tell you what, when you get to hurt and you get you a prayer partner, you can put some confidence in. And listen, you can't tell your secrets to everybody. Hello? You can't tell your secrets to everybody. But you find who you can trust and who's got a burden to pray with you and who God yokes you up and hooks you up with. And you call them and you say, look, look, when somebody calls me on the telephone, they say, preacher, how you doing? It's awful natural say real good. But some of you learned me. There's some times you're going to call and I'm going to say, I ain't doing worth nothing. I'm just having a hard time. That don't mean I throw my hands up and quit. That means I'm just being honest. I'm having a hard time. There's some of you call me or I'll call you and say, how's things going? You'll say, preacher, I'm just having a hard day. Boy, we need each other. You understand how bad we need each other, how much we've got to have each other. And the children of God have got something this world does not have, Brother Ricky. This world ain't got nobody to go to. You go telling your problems to this world. You know what? They're looking for you to fall so they can get your stuff. All this get-rich mess on television makes me so sick. All this bunch of mortgage and real estate business looking for somebody to lose their house so somebody run in, save the day, and buy it out from under and make a profit. Listen, God's got a curse for folks that live like that. Boy, when you take advantage of the poor and take advantage of folks in their hard luck and the hard times they're having, God's got a curse for you. But I'm going to tell you what God's children will do. God's children see one of God's little youngins hurting and they want to rally around them and try to love on them. Boy, it blesses my heart. I've seen some of God's youngins in this place trying, going through trials and going through hardships, trying your best to get along and do the best you can do. And I've watched others run to your rescue, try to be a help, try to be a blessing to you. But Elijah left his, he left his partner somewhere else and took off by himself. You fixed to get in real trouble. And the real man of God found himself in a place he was so discouraged. He was so beat down sitting under a juniper tree. Verse number four. But himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree and requested for himself that he might die. And said, it is enough. God, I've had all this I can take. God, I can't stand anymore. God, i got to have some relief. And Lord, I don't mean to be a coward, but God, would you just kill me? I deal with people on a regular basis in the confines of this church. You get into battle so strong, in the heat of this thing so strong, the devil gets on you so strong and says, why don't you just take your life and get this thing over with don't you think I've been through that? I've been through that myself. Let me, let me explain to you tonight, lest you scoff and make fun, you probably ain't been through that battle. There's probably a reason you ain't been through that battle. But tonight, when somebody commits suicide, it's not that they want to die. That's not why people commit suicide. They just don't want to hurt anymore. And I see some of you walk in this building and you're so tired and you're so beat down. You just don't want to hurt anymore. I understand that. If anybody in this building understands that, I do. 
and I watched some of you hurt and I want to take your hurt away and I want to help you and there's not a thing I can do. And sometimes I'd rather go through it myself than watch you have to go through what you go through. But that is part of the battle we're in and that is part of the day that we live in. Satan is raging. I do not suggest you do this, but I have done this in my foolish past. But I've studied the Satanic Bible and one of the doctrines of the Satanic Bible is not to kill a sacrifice physically, but to taunt them and entice them to kill themselves. That's satanic. Satan jumps on you. He, he is relentless and he don't have any mercy. Amen. He don't want you to surrender. He wants you to die. He wants right. to take you out of the battle. Yes. He wants to take you down. And if you're lost... If you're lost tonight, he wants to destroy your soul in hell. And that's why he gives lost men such problems and such torments that they'll take their lives time and time again. You see young people that just can't stand it anymore and take their own lives. Satan offers them a way out. Them not realizing and understanding that they're about to fall off into an eternal blistering burning hell. But even children of God who are born again get under that oppression, that demonic oppression. And he said, it is enough. But God had not said it is enough. Back in verse 5, he lay and slept under a juniper tree. Then an angel touched him and said to him, arise and eat. And he looked and behold, there was a cake baking on the coals and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and laid down again. I know there's some times that it gets real hard and it gets real tough. But ain't it sweet sometimes when you come into the house of God and you're so beat down that you don't know if you can take another step and you're ready to throw in the towel and just give this thing up. But you say, I just can't quit and I've got to just go to church one more time. And sometime in the course of the service, the sweet Holy Ghost of God out of nowhere just comes by and breathes on your soul and puts his arms around you. And the first thing you know, just out of nowhere, the sweet Holy Ghost is squeezing you and God God's jumping up down in your soul and God gives you a little breath and gives you a little bite to eat and lets you know that everything is going to be all right. Boy, we need that. There's times that I'm so discouraged and so beat down that out of nowhere, I can't explain it other than the fact some child of God somewhere full of the Holy Ghost must have been calling my name in prayer, but just out of nowhere, this sweet Holy Ghost of God had come by where I was and brush up against me and I'd say, God, is that you? And first thing I know, he'd be holding me in his loving arms and taking care of me. We were in the Philippines several years ago and Sister Lori almost died of salmonella poison. We didn't have proper medical care. The airlines were on strike and we were about to leave the city of Cebu. We were in the airport and the airport was full. The planes wasn't moving and we were just sitting around on the floor. Miss Lori was writing in her diary. She was sick, nine to death. My wife wrote in her diary and we went back and read several times that in that pit of despair and hurt and agony 
We'd both been sick for days and she had been close to death. And while she was sitting in that airport, she said as she was writing in her diary that out of nowhere that God just came by and flooded her soul and gave her strength and helped her in her spirit, man, in her inner man. And she wrote in her diary, she knew at that moment in time, somebody somewhere must have been praying for her. What a blessing it is when God will give you a burden for somebody and let you call their name out in prayer and you know that must be going through some trial, Betty. I'll tell you what, you sow seeds of mercy, you'll get mercy back. Amen. When that day comes, you need somebody to pray for you. And out of nowhere, God just touches your soul and gives you some glory. You can know somebody somewhere is talking to God about you. The angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him, buddy. That's the thing established in the mouth of two witnesses. He said, arise and eat because the journey is too great for thee. Boys, this thing's too big for us. When we do it in the power of our flesh, we'll make a failure out of it. We better have some supernatural help. And he's getting it. And the Word of God said he arose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of that meat 40 days and 40 nights and the horde, the man of God. What he really didn't understand when you get over about verse number 15, God begins to speak to the man of God, Elijah. And I'm going to skip a bunch of good stuff, and I'm going to get where I'm going. The Lord said unto him in verse number 15, Go, return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus. When he come, anoint Hazel to be king over Syria. Jehu, the son of Nimshai, thou shalt anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shapheth of Abel-Meholah, shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. That means in your place. And it shall come to pass that him that escapeth of the sword of Hazel shall Jehu slay. And him that escapeth from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. Yet I've left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth that hath not kissed him. So he departed thence and found Elisha, the son of Shapheth, who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen before him, and he with the twelve. And Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. And he left his oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me, I pray thee, kiss my father, my mother, then I will follow thee. And he said to him, Go back again, for what have I done to thee? And he returned back from him, took a yoke of oxen and slew them and boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen, Gave unto the people, and they did eat. And he arose and went after Elijah and ministered unto him. It ain't over till God says it's over. When God says it's over, it's over. Elijah thought it was over. But Elijah really didn't understand that some of his greatest work was yet to be done. It was still out ahead of him. Because there was a young man by the name of Elisha that was down there plowing had 12 yoke of oxen. Elisha was in the rear with that last yoke of oxen, just minding his own business out in the field plowing. That mantle was a prayer cloth, probably something like a zit-zit that one of those Hebrew men would have wore on his shoulders and when it was time to pray in the hour of prayer that he'd pull that over his head. It was special that set Elijah apart as the prophet of God. It was a special mantle that he had. 
a type of the anointing of the Holy Ghost of God and in his daily walk and in his daily life without saying a whole lot, Elijah just walked by that young man plow and took his mantle, reached over and touched him and kept on walking. And when he did, it drove that boy crazy. He said, wait a minute, feller. Elijah said, what have I done to you? Go on back. He said, I'm going back, but I'm going to tell my mom and daddy bye, and I'm going to go on with you. What's that all about? Jesus said, no man can come unto me except the Father which has sent me draw him. And I'll raise him up at the last day. What draws men? It's that anointing power of the Holy Ghost of God. When they get around some little spirit-filled child of God and they realize I've been in church and I heard preaching and I heard folks that said they're saved before, but I ain't never had nothing touch me like that's touched me. I ain't never had nothing deal with me like that's dealt with me. And God gets to moving on a sinner's soul and gets to bothering them and aggravating them. God aggravated the devil out of you. You'd come in here and hate my guts. Walk out, I ain't never going back in there again. Hey, that preacher's just standing me up, talking to me. He's been sneaking around. They've been telling him stuff about me. I hate him. Ain't that what you said? But you kept coming back. What was wrong with you? God was drawing on you, son. And God's been drawing on people. Why do you think they're sitting in this building tonight? The Holy Ghost of God is big enough to know how to get folks where they can get some help. And all that man of God did was just walk by him and just touched him. He went bazooko. He said, I ain't never had nothing like that. I guarantee you that old boy been plowing in that field that day. He is so sick and tired of that field and looking at the rear end of them oxen all day long and pushing that plow around in that field. And he had got to the place, boy, I just wish that somewhere else I could go and something else I could do. And you know what some sinners are looking for tonight? They're looking for somebody that's real. They're looking for something that's real. And you know what they do when they see something that's real? They say, I don't understand all that, but I don't make some of it. But I'll tell you what, if we can be full of the Holy Ghost of God, Elijah had done sat down under a tree and said, God, just let me die. God, please. He's depressed, son. Let me die. God gave him a little food, and now look what's happening. God's using him again. And this young man said, boy, I wish I had what you had. And Eli, I'm sure Elijah said, well, if you'd have seen me out of that juniper tree, you wouldn't want to. <laughs> Praise God. Some of y'all seen me sometimes. You probably wouldn't want what I got. But I'm telling you, God's people are real people. The people that are saved, born, of the Spirit of God have problems. Some of us have varying problems. Some of us are different than others. But I guarantee if you're born in the Spirit of God with all your problems, with all your hardships, with all your heartaches, you're real. There's something in you that sets you apart from the rest of this world. And there's somebody somewhere looking that wish they had what you got. And then you see, after that drawing of the Holy Ghost of God on Elisha, Elisha went back and told his mom and daddy goodbye. The Word of God said he killed that yoke of oxen, Miss Sally, that he had. And he took those instruments of the ox and the yoke that they had around their neck and that wooden part of that plow and he burned it, made a fire to cook them oxen. You know what he was doing, Johnny? 
He was burning the bridge to his old life. Can't go back to the farm. Ain't nothing back there for me. What are you going to go back to, Jesse? What kind of drug dealings you got to go back to, son? What kind of crawling in a Budweiser can you got to go back to, boy? What kind of pill you got to go suck up your nose now, boy? You done burned that old life. That's behind you. That's what you used to be. It ain't what you are no more. And I'm telling you, when you get bored of the Spirit of God, you ain't what you used to be, and you ain't going to be that no more. And anybody genuinely gets bored of the Spirit of God, cuts that tide of that old world, and you ain't. Listen, you can mess up when you're saved. You can mess up. Don't you get me wrong. You can mess up and fall flat on your face, but you ain't going to stay there. You can't. You can't. He couldn't stay back on the farm no more. He didn't have no ox there. He couldn't stay there no more. He didn't have no plow there. He done set his affections on something else. He's going with the man of God. That man of God, just a few chapters later, when you get into 2 Kings chapter number 2, the word of God said that Elijah was taken up into heaven in a whirlwind. That's the type of the rapture, if you don't know that. He was the type of the church. He was fixing to leave the whole time. He was fixing to to check out the whole time. But there's somebody needed him before he left. I'm telling you what, that's good stuff. That's good. That's in the Bible, buddy. That's where some of y'all are at. You've been in a trial. You've been in a hardship. But somebody somewhere needs you. You're fixing to leave. And God's going to use you before you go and get them some help. I don't know who's going to get help, but whosoever will, Jesus said, come. If you're here tonight and you need some help, you better come. I'm telling you, there's some folks in here that are real. We got problems. Listen, I ain't good to look at. I ain't good to talk to. I got my problems, but I know God changed me. I am not what I used to be. And I never will be again. Some of you say you're born in the spirit of God. You ain't never burned that old life. You ain't never cut your tie from that old world. You can slip back and forth any time you want to. You're a hypocrite. You're not saved. You're not born in the Spirit of God. God. When God saves you, He changes you. I can ask a whole lot of questions tonight and be theologically sound, but I'm going to ask you this. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. From that day forward, Brother Wesley, Elisha's life was totally different. By the obedience of that man of God just doing what God told him to do, God changed that young man's life. Elisha, if you'll study the Scripture, went on to do twice as many miracles as Elijah ever did. He's a type of ministering to Israel. Y'all may think I'm silly, but I believe that there's going to be some Jews get a hold of some of our CDs in the tribulation. I just believe that. I believe that. I believe God will use that. I just, you ain't going to take that away from me. This is, this is the everlasting word of God. Jesus said the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. God ain't going to change his word. And those Jews that do not have an ear today during the tribulation, God's going to take that veil off and they're going to see. Tonight's a Gentile's chance. Tonight's a Gentile's chance. 